This is Lady Talk Radio, your space for real conversations about real life and real ways to improve yours. What up, lady? Welcome back to Lady Talk Radio. I am your host, Stacey Ray, and this is episode number 50. <laughs> That's a really exciting number to say out loud. Thank you for all of your continued support over all of those 50 episodes and so many more amazing conversations coming your way in the coming weeks. So really appreciate your support and just being in our corner and really enjoying these episodes. That's what it's all about. So thank you for being here. I'm really excited to share today's conversation with you as well. This is with Kristen Iris. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by WeAreLadyAlpha.com, our online and offline community for ambitious women, where we start conversations that empower you and help move you forward so you can have the fierce and fulfilling life you know you want. So if you dig our vibe here and maybe you want to expand on this conversation or start some new conversations for yourself in your life, you're welcome to join us in our free online Facebook community called The Lady Posse. The link to do that is in the show notes of this episode, or you can simply go on Facebook and search out The Lady Posse and we will add you in. And we would just love to kick it with you and get to know what you're about, what you're up to, what kind of challenges you're facing and how we can support you further. So the amazing women who come on this show are also in that group. So if you have questions or insights, or maybe you want to share something with them, you're welcome to come and do that in the group also. So today we are chatting with Kristen Iris. She's someone I absolutely consider a friend. She is a fierce freaking world changer and her work is so important in the world. And so Kristen Iris is a coach. She's a speaker. She helps socially conscious black and brown creatives shatter their limitations, amplify their voices and operate at their fullest capacity so they can take a powerful stand for who they are, what they believe and what they want to create. So as a creative, she shares powerful messages through her own writing, currently working on two books, and she does a variety of YouTube videos, which are super amazing. Go check those out. And she loves to provoke that deeper thinking and incite you into action. She's also launching her own podcast in the next couple of months, so we will keep our eyes out for that, Kristen. And her mission, whether in mentoring, writing, or speaking, is to challenge and break down oppressive power dynamics and systems by inspiring and igniting black and brown creatives into their greatness. And before you decide that this conversation may or may not be for you, if you're not a black or brown creative, I really, really actually know that this conversation, because I was there, I was in the conversation, so I already have the intel here, is that this conversation is for absolutely everybody who listens to this show. In fact, it is entirely for every single woman that listens to this show. And so, so incredibly important. And I loved learning from Kristen and also just getting to really take a look for myself at what some of these things meant for me in my daily life. And so there's some really deep invitations in this conversation, some great insight into what we can start to really take a look at for ourselves. I'm tr- I don't want to give it away. So let's just dive into this conversation. Welcome to Lady Talk Radio, Kristen. We've done this before, but yet we are here again, <laughs> joined in this wonderful conversation. And I'm so excited to have this combo with you. Me too. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we get to do it again and just kind of see where this one goes. <laughs> right. Okay. So for the listeners, we had this bomb conversation and <laughs> we went in, like we totally went in for like an hour. We just totally like gave everything and we're super curious and talking about all the stuff that Kristen's up to. And then my computer had a bit of a panic attack a couple weeks ago and deleted some of my files. And unfortunately the conversation was in that. So here we are going with the flow, diving in again. And I just totally know that it's going to be 
better, if not even more better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for playing with me and trusting the flow of the conversation. Give us a little look behind the scenes of your life these days. What's going on? Uh, so I, I'm a coach. Um, I've actually now switched from saying creativity mentor to saying that I am a coach. <laughs> so I'm a coach and I'm a speaker. And I am, uh, let's see, what's going on in my, in my general life or in my, in my business is I help uh, socially conscious black and brown creatives to shatter their limitations, really amplify their voices and step into their power so that they can take a real stand for who they are, what they believe and what they want to create and take whatever it is that they are creating to the next level. And part of that, part of what I do in that is really helping them to break down um, their internalized, often unconscious, oppressive conditionings and um, thought patterns and behaviors and things like that. Because those are a lot of times the things that make up our limitations. And they are from like very old experiences and mm -hmm. uh, very old history, things that can go from our childhood, from past relationships to teenage years. And so I help them to really break those things down and create new patterns in their lives that, that are really empowering and um, really uh, help them to flourish in the way that they want to flourish. So I do that as a coach and I am running a group program right now and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. And then separate from that, I am working on building up my YouTube channel. I've been a little lax on it lately, I'm not going to lie, but I uh, want to be stepping back into that, into that creative avenue as well. And I am Honestly, I'm switching between two two writing projects right now. One is um, a science fiction novel, and that is actually the first book in a three book, what I anticipate to be a three book series. And then the other one is my memoir. And I thought I had put my memoir on a hold for for right now to work on the science fiction, but last week I just like I got inspired with something with something I was processing, and I I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna jump back to the memoir. So I jumped cool. back to it last week and started. Um, just plowing through writing some writing some words and writing about this experience that I had. <laughs> yeah, so cool. So cool. And you know, I'm a total fan of your work and getting to see just since I met you in Bali last year, getting to see more of what you're rolling out is super exciting. And I love what you're posting on social media and just the thought provoking conversations you're starting. And I feel like I've been educated through a lot of the work that you've also put out there, which is super cool. I'm curious to kind of go back a little bit in your story. You know, what, what, brought you to this place? What were maybe some of the pivotal moments that really brought you to the realization that this is the work that you're here to do and that just no shit, no kidding, this is what you're up to? I, I, it came from doing it myself. So the last eight years in particular have, it's like, I feel like everything before eight years ago was like one life and everything like at this, this turning point that happened in like the end of May, beginning of June of, uh, two of 2010 was like this turning point for me. And everything after has been like a different life. Um, up until almost like last, like last June. And then I feel like I started this like new chapter, like almost like this new life from there, but it's sort of in this like kind of transition space, but Really in that, in that seven, seven years up through last summer was um, this time of like very active, very deep exploration for myself. And part of that started on my yoga mats, um, doing forest yoga, which is a practice that is very, it's very focused on using your practice to heal your spirit. 
and not about like, okay, let me really try to contort myself into this shape. Like there are all kinds of like wild poses that she, she creates on a forest created forest yoga. And um, she's still making these like new poses with some wacky names, like, um, oh my gosh, turquoise spider woman is one. And <laughs> yes. I was like, what is this pose? You know? <laughs> so she has like these wacky poses that I just love, but it's really about like, you make the practice fit you and fit your body and where you are that day and really connecting in to like deep feeling physically, but also emotionally and energetically what's going on. And through my practice, I was able to like explore, like, what are my fears? What are, what is, what is this like kind of trauma that I'm, that I'm having all this turmoil about, like, um, and really explore, like, what is my truth? And in doing that, I discovered all these different layers, um, that on the mat and also things I was doing off the mat, uh, different things I was doing and, um, kind of things that I learned from books, even from like my martial arts background, all of these things that I, w- I was using them together, didn't have a guide. So I was guiding myself. And, but in doing that, I started to discover like, like, oh, this is what's going on. And then I would peel back like three more layers and be like, oh wait, there's all this other stuff underneath. Mm. And then I peel back more layers and I'm like, there's so much going on underneath the surface that if I was not actively doing this work, I would never even see it. I would just like be dealing with it and think that that's normal. And I would never be going into that deeper, kind of scary, um, mm. tough work. And as I did that, um, a couple of years ago, I would say, I think it was about two years ago. Um, and I, I was, I was teaching yoga as well. So this was something I was like, I wanted to help people like on the mat explore this, but I really felt like I couldn't, I couldn't take it to the same depths on the mat because even I had to take it off the mat to take it, to take it to new levels. Right. And so I was like, I, 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 if I can discover this much about myself and I know by going through it, that there was so much that I didn't realize was there. There are people walking around who do not realize what's there. They don't realize the deeper things holding them back. So, um, I was like, I, I should do this. Like I should help other people. I should guide other people in this. And, um, that is where I really started to kind of step more into, into coaching, um, and online coaching instead of yoga and, I was actually even trying to do, trying and failing to do online yoga at that time. And um, over over that time, over the last two years, I've really refined who I want to work with and um, the direction that I want to go and what my what my vision is and what my mission is. So that's really kind of my story and how I got here. <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear you say forest yoga, I'm like, like in the woods? <laughs> yeah, like trees? Like trees? Yeah. I get people do that. They're like, what's that tree yoga you do? I'm like, forest <laughs> yoga? <It's> F-O-R-R-E-S-T. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. After Anna Forest and also her book, Fierce Medicine, was also um, a great tool. I, it's, it's funny because I always like talk about this book and I have not actually even finished the book. I've had the book for years for like seven years. And it's like, I've only read up to the part that like I need so far. And I guess like when I'm ready for the rest, I'll keep reading the rest, but it's like the, the parts, um, I've read most of it and it is like part bio, like part, part autobiography, part kind of like personal exploration. And then also has like yoga guidance in there as well for how to use your practice to explore. And so I've gotten through most of it, but 
a lot of what I've, what I've looked at already or what I've read already is stuff that I use regularly. It's things that I bring into my coaching programs that I bring into client, into work with, with clients. And, um, that's some of the tools that I share. There are other tools as well, but it definitely created a foundation for a lot of what I, what I do, a lot of what I was teaching when I was teaching yoga. Um, and a lot of what I do as a, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. You're you're not the first person that I've heard to draw on things from martial arts or yoga or different different avenues, different modalities for coaching and mindset work and getting into this some of the deeper inner work that we do, right? It's like it's all kind of relative, right? And it's all it's all reflective of that. So I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know that you were you have a history in martial arts too. I knew that about you. I do. I yeah. do. Yeah, I think I saw an Insta story or something recently where you were like missing, missing fighting or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I was at, I think I was at the gold, the Chicago Golden Gloves, which was amazing. Um, two weeks ago. Wait. No, it was a week and a half ago. And I was there. Um, I think it was a week and a half ago. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, I was there supporting, um, some of my pals and I was like, Oh, I miss doing this. Like I fought in the gloves like six years ago. Yeah. I won. Um, so like I miss it. I, I miss being able to train martial arts. I'm still kind of recovering, um, from, or I don't want to say recovering from injuries, but I'm still working with injuries to like reset my body in a way where I'm actually getting back to optimal functionality instead of having all this pain that I've been in. But it's been like a break from martial arts for a year. I did a couple of, I did really like one workout a couple of months ago when I was feeling good enough. And then after that, like my progress tanked and I had to stop. I tried and I was like, oh, this hurts. We're not yeah. doing this. I'm going to make and myself worse. Ouch. So yeah. Yes, I had to put that on pause, but it's not because I want to, it's because I physically couldn't do it. Yeah. So same thing with yoga, but I've been, I've been getting back into um, yoga and actually I did a a two hour workshop on, on Saturday with my teacher was like, I have no idea if I'll be able to do this. This is actually really, I actually want to bring this up because this is going to be a little tip for, for the, for the listeners. I have for the last month and a half, I think been like, man, I miss yoga. I had started doing yoga again and then my progress, you know, my progress got worse. And I was like, okay, I need to stick to the physical therapy exercises. It was like, I miss yoga. I miss martial arts. I can't do yoga. Um, I, I wish that I could. And I, my teacher had a two hour workshop on Saturday, have not done a workshop with her or any yoga with her in probably like two years. And I was missing it. I miss her. I miss going to her workshops. I miss taking her class. And I was like, you know what? I have no idea if I can do this, but I'm just going to go. I found out about it about like 50 minutes ahead of time, jumped through the shower, <laughs> grabbed a lift, raced down there, went in, was like, cool, there's spots available. And I did the whole practice. I did the whole two hour practice. Like I did handstand for the first time in a year. Wow. Like I walked out of there feeling like my breath. And that's a big thing because I've had a shoulder injury where like when I left Bali, I couldn't lift my right arm. Wow. Okay. So for me to be able to go into any kind of handstand variation was like huge deal for me. And I felt like my breath could actually move. I felt like my body got this big reset that it needed. Um, and I was definitely sore and achy, like later on that night and I had some trouble sleeping, but like overall, like even yesterday I was, I was, um, I was feeling better because I had done it. And like, it's one of those things where like, 
think about the things that you keep telling yourself is not possible. And like, what would you, what would happen if you just, if you just did it? If you just, like, just tried. <laughs> just just Cause I was like, I physically can't do, like I told my physical therapist last week, I'm like, no, I physically can't do yoga. I want to be able to do yoga again. And he's mm. like, be patient with yourself. And I'm like, we're on like session 22. Okay. <laughs> like I've been patient. And he's like, you're being hard on yourself. Like try to stay positive. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, and, I'm going to go and do it. And I went and I was like, huh look at this. I can do some yoga. <laughs> and like, you know, so like think about the things that you keep telling yourself are impossible. And like, are they really impossible? Yeah. You know, like, can you, can you just <laughs> yeah. give it a wait, shot? Wait a second. <laughs> maybe, maybe try. <laughs> see what happens when you, see what happens when you just, when you just say, oh, fuck it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually really funny because as you were sharing that, I'm looking out the window and there's this tiny, you know, those like miniature fences that they're like, they don't keep anything in or out. They're just like a small little elusive barrier. <laughs> That's what I feel like sometimes is like we tell ourselves we can't do things and we put these tiny ass little fences that we could essentially just step <laughs> over, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you decided yeah, to go just, to this just class. step right on over that. <laughs> yeah. You decided to go to this class, try it on, see what you could do. You probably could have opted out of some poses, you know, you probably could yeah. have just, you know, done some modifications or and whatever. I did. Yeah. But just yeah, to, like, there were show a couple, up. like there was a, a handstand variation where I tried to like, you kick up with each leg and like my, my first leg, my dominant side, I was like, okay, this feels a little shaky. And then I did the other side. I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, I just hurt myself doing that time to stop and do a variation. So you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you just got to switch things up a little bit. <laughs> totally. Totally. And just show up and try it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that. I love that. So let's switch gears a little bit. I know that you work specifically with black and brown creatives. Why is that? So for me, um, I'm in America <laughs> and America is racist as fuck. <laughs> Um, and I mean, the world is also racist as fuck, but America, um, being an American, I see it every day. I live it every day. I have my whole life in ways that I didn't even realize sometimes until I got older and was like, oh, this is, oh, this is why I think this way. Mm. This is why I doubt myself. This is why I feel like I have to prove myself. This is the message that I was getting that made me like chase love in the wrong places, you know? Um, and so And, you know, everybody has work they have to do, but when I look at the way people of color and in particular Black people in America are systemically oppressed, the way every system in this country is built to uplift white people and to do so at the expense of Black people, um, aside from pissing me off, um, it makes me want to take action and be like, all right, I... And as a creative as well, I really believe in the power of people of color's voices mm-hmm. of black and indigenous and brown and other people of color. I really believe in the power of our voices because the more we share our voices and share our stories and our experiences, the more we are actually heard because we are mm-hmm. routinely silenced and dismissed and overlooked or um, our work or credit for our work is taken by um, white people often, not always, I'm not saying every white person does this, but uh, these are things that we consistently experience. And the more that we speak, the less and less we can be silenced. And the more we speak, the more compassion I think we can bring 
to the rest of the world for them to understand our experiences, to understand our challenges, to understand like how human we all are, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we are dehumanized, like as black people, as brown people, we are dehumanized or we are minimized to um, an idea and not a full person. And so my, I feel like my mission in this world is to uplift black and brown voices and their art and their creativity and their power. Because as we rise, everyone rises. Everyone cannot rise in society, in the world, when a significant group of people are continuously being oppressed, when they are continuously being minimized, when they are continuously being dismissed or harmed or violated. The more we can eliminate that, the more we can minimize that, the more we can bring other people up, the people who are being pushed down, the more we all can actually rise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So powerful. And I, I really like listening to you over the past few months and just getting to hear more from some of the work that you're up to. I started to recognize just as for me, as a white woman in Canada, who was kind of like, Oh, what racism still exists. Like I had a little bit of a kind of blind spot. Right. And in our last conversation, we were speaking to this a little bit and it was fascinating to me just to get that perspective that so many of us who don't think about this, who don't have to think about it are just sort of turning the cheek, which is also more of the same. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. So what, what often happens, so that is, um, what we say is part of white privilege and Mm -hmm. white privilege is not like people be like, Oh, you're insulting me. And I'm like, that's not an insult. That's fact. Um, and white, white privilege is the privilege of not having to think about certain things of not having to worry when you walk out your door that you're going to get killed by a cop of not, um, of like having certain advantages because of the oppressions of other people. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you benefit. And, um, a lot of people who are not looking at the experiences of uh, Black people or Indigenous people or other Brown people, they miss that. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're white and you don't have to think about it, you're just, you know, you're going through your day, you're going through your life. And and a lot of times you're just like, wait, racism still exists? Or you think that racism is just someone calling someone the N-word or, you know, the KKK marching. And it's like, no, racism is so much deeper and so much more vast than just those elements. That's like the the most obvious or um, the, the, the most obvious, but honestly, not even the most common. Mm. There's so many other ways that we are oppressed or harmed. Um, and so it is easy when you can turn a blind eye to turn a blind eye because you don't see it. You have the privilege of not having to see it. Um, and so people like me, like I live it all the time. I can't just not see it. I can't, um, you know, like every day, especially being in America, not like I'm in Chicago, the cops here, <laughs> somebody's going to yell at me for saying bad things about the cops, but like the, <laughs> the cop, the police in Chicago, it's not good. <laughs> like they're they're They can be really vicious um, and mm. very, very racist. Um, and so like me, I walk out my door and like, if I see a cop car, like I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm walking down the street. How many other black people have died in America gotten killed by cops for literally doing nothing wrong. We just had two people in, I think, Philadelphia at a Starbucks who got arrested for literally doing nothing. 
Mm, They literally were doing nothing. They were standing there waiting for their friend and they got the cops called on them. And then the cops arrested them for no reason. Like this is what we have to deal with all the time. Mm, Yeah. But when you don't have to deal with that or you don't have to, when you are not constantly seeing like your people Mm -hmm. being murdered or violated and justice not being served, it is, it is easier to not see it because they're not, they're not this, they're not in your culture. They're not your, you know, they're not your people. Um, but it's harder. Like I don't get to escape that. And, and I have a responsibility not to, and actually everybody has a responsibility not to, but me, and especially in the work that I do, I have a responsibility not to, um, but white people also like, they need to, they need to step up as well and be like, Hey, how am I complicit in this? Mm, How am I, are there things that I'm doing that are perpetuating white supremacy that are perpetuating racism that I don't realize? Um, you know, like we can't do the work for like, I can do the work for me and we as black people and and brown people can do the work for us, but we can't do the work for white people. White people have to do the work for themselves. Yeah. So that, and those are really key questions there. Like, how am I adding to this situation? Cause I've, I've watched from kind of a distance and also sometimes a little closer how, how we sort of try to navigate those things. Like I've been noticing it more and more since our last conversation of like, witnessing people a on Facebook making comments on other people's posts. And I saw like, let's just speak to this for a second, because this is an example of how it showed up for me and how I see it showing up for others is like this whole idea around separation. So being like, well, if you're saying black lives matter, or you're saying something specifically about your experience in relation to white people's experience, how is that now we're all one or how is that, you know, it's like people speaking to the whole, it's creating more separation thing, which I would love to hear you say this again, because I know you spoke to this a bit in the last one, and I just find it really powerful to get, because I can get stuck in that too of like, oh, but it's all love. And if we can't just like all stand as one. So can you jam on that for a second? Because just, just educate us, girl. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing. People saying that when, like, when we talk about Black Lives Matter or say Black Lives Matter or talk about our, our individual experiences is creating more separation, first of all is bullshit because what you're really saying is I don't want to hear your story because your story doesn't apply to me Mm. and you're making yourself different. Um, so it's, uh, there's different terms that, that can be used for it. One is whitewashing, which is when white people try to basically erase the stories or the, the viewpoints or perspectives or problems of people of color. Um, and then there's also spiritual bypassing, which yeah, is in yeah, the spirituality totally. community being like, oh, I'm going to send, that's like, I'm going to send love and light, but I'm not actually going to look at what's going on because it's not high vibe enough. I'm like, that's great right. for you. I don't yeah. get to walk away from this. So you'd be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about these, these murders of black people because it's not high vibe enough. It's like, okay, so you're literally just going to ignore and send love and light. Your love and light is not actually going to solve the problem. Um, so the, the whole, like, but we're all one. It's like, yeah, we know we as black and brown people, we know that we are all the same. We know that we are all like the same mm-hmm. in terms of we are all human, but we are not being treated that way, which is why we speak about our experiences, which is why we speak about injustices, because if you don't speak about it, nothing's going to change. So mm-hmm. to say, Hey, but we're all one and you're making us separate. It's like, no, what I'm pointing out is how we're being treated separate, how we're being treated worse, how we're being violated, how we're being murdered, how we're being harmed. 
and say, oh, but we're all one, or why do we She said that they were, they were organizing one there, and she was like, I think part of the Facebook group, and um, the, in the group, people were like, well, why do we have to talk about these specific things, I think, having to do with black or indigenous people or both and they're like you know like you're you're just you're you're you know let's talk about this stuff that like affects all women like 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 all women have these issues all women have problems let's talk about that like why do we have to talk about the specifics it's like because there are certain intersections that people have to deal with that as white cisgendered able-bodied women don't and so when you are saying, well, let's just talk about the things that affect all of us, you're essentially saying, let's just talk about the things that only affect me. Let's not talk mm-hmm. about the things that affect trans women, that affect Black trans women, that affect Indigenous uh, indigenous women or disabled trans Black women. Let's not talk about those issues. And when you don't actually talk about those in- issues, you're not actually standing for everybody. If you're going to mm-hmm. stand for everybody, you need to actually pay attention to what's happening to everybody who's not you. You can't stand for everybody and say, but let's only talk about the stuff that affects me. Let's mm-hmm. only talk about the stuff that affects all of us because then you're really only focused on what's, what's affecting white people or white women um, in the context of the march. So it's not about creating separation. It's about bringing to light the things that need to be addressed and that need to be solved. And honestly, like calling for people to, to take responsibility for the ways that they are complicit in that or upholding it or... Um, maintaining it or profiting from it in one way or another, benefiting in one way or another. So it's not creating separation. We know we're the same. We are asking that we be treated the same and that we be treated with love and respect and that our issue. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It freezes sometimes on the video. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It cut cut off on the like, um, just the, the tail end of that. So I think that's, I kind of caught the, the gist of what that was at the end though, too. So I think that's all good. Um, okay. I think like the piece that really fascinates me here too is, is like what our, what our roles are. So if we're not spiritual bypassing and we're not just kind of blanketing over these things, you spoke to really checking in on our own experience, like as a white woman, what is my responsibility or choice or something that I can personally start to take on for myself? To support all women and men. Oh, is it frozen? No. Can you do as a white woman? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then I started and then I was like, oh, we're frozen. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. All right. So back to that question, like, and maybe this isn't just white women. Maybe it's just, you know, what we can all do together to, um, to really start standing more as as one, if that's what we really desire. Yes. So the there's so many different levels that you can take it to. Um, uh, doing nothing to me personally is unacceptable. <laughs> mm. Like that's how I feel. I feel like if you're doing nothing, you are upholding white supremacy. You are upholding racism. So to do something, the first thing is to look at yourself. To start looking at um, what are the things that you are doing that are um, complicit in white supremacy or in racism. And that is to look at and dismantle your own 
internal conditioning. So to look at what are what are my racist conditionings? What are the what are the ideas that I have about people? And that can be hard for people to do because it means that you have to contend with the fact that you are possibly racist or have some racist conditioning. Like mm-hmm. every every first of all, everybody, not just white people, but I would say everybody has racial conditioning. I'm a black person. I am a black and a Latina person. And I even had things that I was like, oh, I need to, like, I had things that were conditioned in me about black people and about different people. And I had to work on that myself. So if I had to work on it, white people have to work on it. Um, So looking at like, what are the things that I'm doing? That means researching. So like, either find resources, research on your own, like what is covert racism? What is um, like implicit racism instead of explicit racism? Like what are these subtle things? Like people, something that a lot of people say, for example, and I hate this is like, oh, well, like my best friend is black, so I can't be racist. Be like that, just so you know, is actually a racist thing to say. Like you're tokenizing your black friend and using them to turn a blind eye to your own internalized conditioning. Like that is racist please don't say that. Like that is one of the things that every time somebody says that we like, I like roll my eyes. Um, Mm. And so like do the research or pay a person of color to teach you and to help you. And, you know, in like discovering what are the things that you're doing when someone calls you out or calls you in and says, Hey, this is a problematic thing to say. Here's why. Instead of like jumping to the fence about how you're not racist and how you meant it this way or that way or something like that look at it be like oh okay well what what am i doing here that could be perpetuating these stories that could be perpetuating white supremacy could be Mm. perpetuating ableism could be perpetuating perpetuating like um transphobia or home or whatever it is um take a look at it and if there's something that you're like i really don't get it ask the person be like okay what did i what did i do here that wasn't that's problematic so that i can do better in the future like come to it from the point of view of I want to do better, not I want to defend myself and be right. All right. <laughs> that is that is actually continuing to do harm to people of color, especially the person of color who brought it up to you. And it is yeah. hard for us. Yeah. Like I have brought things up to people and been like, there I've seen things, I've I've seen things where I'm like, okay, how much how worth it is, how how much is it worth to me to expend the emotional labor mm-hmm. to try and bring this up to this person and point out how this is a problem. Like that is a lot of emotional labor for me as the person who is oppressed to sit here and talk to the person in the group of my oppressors about what they're doing. That's oppressive. Like, right. It's a lot for people of color, which is why I say pay a person of color. Don't ask them to do the labor for free Hmm. because it's harder on us or talk to a white friend that you know is totally with it and is a, an advocate and an ally and actively working in real life to dismantle white supremacy and racism. Um, but educating yourself is the very first thing. And then bringing, um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is starting to educate your white friends about their internalized racism, calling them in when you see something that you're like, ah, I learned that this is problematic. This person just did it, calling them in and being like, hey, um, this is problematic. You should probably not say things like that. 
here's why this is harmful. Or if you see a person of color being attacked online or, Mm -hmm. you know, in person or in conversation, stand for them. Don't stand silent because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have with your white friends. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us too, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but we are constantly the ones where people will dismiss us because they'll be like, oh, you're just being sensitive. Oh, you're making it a race issue. But then a lot of times when a white person steps in, then now they're, now they're listening because, oh, this is a white person who's telling me that I'm wrong. And I've experienced that. I've actually experienced that myself where I, I would, I would say something I had a white friend who was like, no, that's not true because blah, blah, blah. And I had another white friend who was sitting there was like, oh God, we're going to have to explain this again. And he explained it almost in the same words that I did. And he was like, oh yeah, oh, I, told, I understand now. Oh, I can see that. And I'm like, seriously, I literally just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. You no, know, but like yeah. you, it's so, so like start to call in your white friends and be the person to take a stand for people of color, you know, like don't talk over people of color. Don't, don't talk their experiences for them, but take a stand, call people in, you know, have the tough conversations. Yeah, it is tough. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It, it's going to take some, um, some work to do it, but that is the work that actually creates the change. And there are actual like books that will teach you how to start doing that, how to be an advocate, how to be an ally. Um, Mm. Catrice Jackson. Oh, I don't remember the name of the book. She has a book called The Becky Code, which is really for women of color. I'm reading that one. But she has another one that is for white women that's like advocates. I don't remember what it's called. Okay. But it's like advocates, allies, um, and something else. And it's it's about how to how to be an advocate, you know, mm. how to take a stand if you're a white woman and um to to break down your your internalized conditioning. And to stand for, for women of color, especially in like, there's so many toxic online spaces. So, I mean, that's the other thing. That's those two big ones. Educate yourself, understand and dismantle your own, um, conditioning. And that is something that's going to take time and it takes work and it takes a lot of speaking your truth and then start doing that and with other white people. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the word dismantle. Each time you've said it, I'm like, oh, I got a good visual of like taking down the scaffolding. (laughs) You know, we're like dismantling something because that's what I really appreciate about what you're teaching here is that it's not specifically that we're just supposed to, you know, like this is kind of what I'm hearing in a lot of people's backlash is like, oh, you're just focusing on this or you're, you know, you're coming from this place of judgment or hate. No, you're trying to dismantle and and course correct and do some of these deeper work so that we can end up in this place where we all want to end up anyways. So it's like, you're not just hanging out in the, the oppression and the conditioning, you're actually mm-hmm. looking to educate and dismantle it. Yes. So that's a very distinctive difference here, guys. Like, you know, so I really appreciate that. I'm actually going to find that book and I will link it in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's really huge. So and actually with what you just said about um, like not hanging out in it, this is something that can come up very toxic in the spiritual community mm-hmm. is when we talk about our oppression is like, oh, well, you're, you're creating your reality. You're, um, yes. you're just, st- you're just sticking in your problems. You're just wallowing in your problems and no, that's not what we're doing. And that's also called spiritual bypassing. Yeah. That's saying like, I don't actually want to have to deal with your problems. Like you're just, you're just being a downer. You're, you're being low vibe. You're sticking your problems. Like I'm addressing my problems. 
-hmm. And also the problems are not just, oh, my own experience. This is literally a systemic issue throughout our society. So it needs to be addressed. We can't just like close our eyes and pretend that it's not there and create a whole new reality. That's not how it works. We Mm -hmm. literally have to deal with this in society, in our jobs, in like in education system, in the mortgage system, in like in every system, we have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So this is us dealing with it. Um, so yeah, please don't tell people that they're just sticking in their own depression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that totally. It's kind of, it, you know, I mean, we see that in a lot of different ways that people do this too. And like, you know, like every experience you've ever had, you, you know, you called that in or you created it. And it's like, I, I, you know, hear that. I hear where people are pointing with that. And there are definite exceptions. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, sometimes shit happens. First yeah. Of all. <laughs> and, and I'm a Scorpio. I'm like, I'm all, I'm all game to go into the depths of the death and rebirth, you know? And yeah. I, and I get the fear and the anxiety and the discomfort of that, but it's through the catharsis. It's through looking at our shit and where we have been in some of these dark kind of perpetual patterns over the years that we create the opening for what we really want, right? It's, yes. it's through the facing of it, through the looking at it straight in the eyes that we get to the other side, you know, not by yes. sweeping it, sweeping it under the rug. Um, like people talk about light work and shadow work. And I'm like, I don't understand. Sometimes I, like I realized yesterday, somebody said something about shadow work and I'm like, I don't understand like this idea of shadow work because like, that's like all I do is what's the, what's the crap that you don't want to face that's holding you back. And like stepping into those like murky places. I mean, it's not all I do, but like you have to do that. Like I don't understand people like my, my path of like transformation and expansion and like, and, and change has not been from like, let me find ways to just only be happy. It's like, <laughs> let me dig into what's making me unhappy. Let me dig into this anger. Let me dig into this rage. Let me dig into this pain. Let me get, dig into this fear. You know, like all of those things. Let me dig into these things that I don't want to look at. And so like when people talk about shadow work, I'm like, what? Like, how is that? Is that different from what I'm doing? Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, what are, what is everybody else doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's actually really funny. That's actually really funny. What's everybody else doing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> What's everybody else doing? Like, are you not looking at these things? Like, you know, and some people aren't. They're just like, let's, let's just be in love and, and happiness. And I'm like, but that's not human. <laughs> like, that's literally not the human experience. We have a plethora of, of emotions and experiences and they all need to be honored. Yeah. Yeah. And the, something that I've become increasingly passionate about and, and open to and like exploring is the, the power of women's anger and rage and voice yes. and standing up and saying, saying the things like really actually saying the things, not just sort of bypassing them or talking about them in quotes, but actually like saying the things that so many of us have been experiencing And that's what I hear you doing in a lot of your work too, is you're standing up and saying the thing, even though sometimes people don't hear it, even though sometimes people don't want to hear it or whatever, people have their own pushback of guilt or whatever. But it's also like, Mm -hmm. there's so much freaking power in that, in all of us standing up and doing that. So I so appreciate too, that you're working with so many men and women to, to do more of that and share their authentic gifts with the world. Um, I'm curious you know, in, in the work that you're doing, cause you were saying like some of these, these different conditionings and belief patterns and all this stuff, like I'm genuinely curious about your experience as a, a creative of color. Like what, what were some of those beliefs that you personally worked through that were getting in the way of your expression? 
Um, that feels like a big question. Wow. Eh? <laughs> it is. It is a big question. Cause there's so, there's so many mm. and there's some that like pop to the, to the top of my, of my brain, because it's like, they come from like little things that you wouldn't think about. Mm. Um, so for example, like, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I think I'm caught because I'm like, do I start with the conditioning or do I start with how I discovered it? Start <laughs> so anywhere start you want. The, I'll start with the, I'll start with the conditioning, which is not how I discovered it. I start, I discovered it in like reverse order. Like what is going on in my, in my world? What am I, what, what is happening here that like, where did this come from? Where did this conditioning come from? So one of the things, for example, um, is like, I can't be beautiful because I'm black mm. that I didn't really realize I thought like as an adult, like as a kid, um, I don't think I, I had it fully formed in that way, but I was like, oh, I, I'm not beautiful. I'm, I'm not pretty. I'm never going to be like, I'm never going to be pretty. Um, but I didn't totally know why. Mm. And I knew that it had something to do with me being brown. Um, but I didn't have it fully formed. And so as an adult, actually, I'll back it up. So where some of this came from is like, as a kid, looking in beauty magazines, everyone is white, was white, um, long silky hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of like the products were for like white people, um, like hair products were all for white people. They really were not for people who had hair like me. So like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to take care of my hair, my natural Mm -hmm. hair. I was like, okay. And then, um, I got like a hair relaxer. So I got my hair straightened and then I had a hair relaxer for years where I was trying to have it straight so that I could, you know, look more like what society standard of beauty was, um, which are Anglo beauty standards. And so these are some of the things where like you don't see, like I didn't see my image in beauty magazines. Even as a teenager, um, there was like a Latina teen or there was, it was a, a it was a magazine for, um, Latina women, like teenagers. And even in there, I was like, okay, cool. I'm Puerto Rican. Like I'm half Puerto Rican. There's gotta be stuff in here for me. And I looked at that. And I'm like, nope. And I'm like, everybody still had silky hair. And mm. um, maybe they were a little darker. Nobody was as dark as me. Like it wasn't until I went to Puerto Rico that I was like, oh, these Puerto Ricans are my color. <laughs> like they are not like these, like, like white, white Hispanic or white Latina, like telenovela women that are you know on these Mm -hmm. on these shows i'm like oh the i'm like these people look like me and here i was thinking like oh i'm not i'm not puerto rican enough to be puerto rican i'm not like black enough to be black which are some of the things that i was told these are some of the things for me personally that i had to contend with but like not seeing myself in media like Mm -hmm. movies were a lot of white people um except for like your token black person if the show was not specifically centered around a an almost entirely black cast there weren't black people in it. Friends is all white people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so these are like the subtle conditionings and like the things that I internalized that I didn't think about really until I was an adult looking at like, okay, well, why is it that I'm always surprised when a guy finds me pretty? You know, and I had to think about that. I'm like, because I was told basically by society for my whole life that I couldn't be beautiful because I was black, you know, that my hair, you know, I mean, there's so much dialogue around black hair yeah. and like black, 
black women, black men lose their jobs or don't get jobs because of their hair being natural um, in entertainment industry. I mean, Amara La Negra right now, like she's already bringing light to this where, you know, he was on, oh God, what was it? It was Love and Hip Hop. I think it was Miami. Um, but she, you know, like the, the producer was like, well, you know, like maybe you should change your hair because she's got this big fro. He's like, maybe you should change your hair and go for a little more elegant. And she's like, you're mm-hmm. saying I can't be elegant if I have a fro. And he was like, yeah. And <laughs> she's like, you know, and we're like, oh, my God. But this is literally what we have to deal with all the time, you know. It's so like these messages about our, our looks. And that led to, I mean, that in combination with other things. When I looked back at it, I'm like, oh, this has shown up in so many different places in my life. It's shown up in my relationships. It's shown up in me being, um, you know, like insecure about how I look. I mean, I'm, I'm way more secure now. Like I feel great about like my body. I feel mm-hmm. great about, I mean, I don't have it. I was going to, I was about to say, I feel great about my hair, but I shaved my head. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have no hair. <laughs> I have no hair, but part of the reason I shaved my head yes. was to decolonize black and Latina beauty because I was like, man, it'd be, it, I, you know, I saw like Amar, uh, um, Amon Lestenberg and Sinead Lathanat. And Danae Guerrero, and I'm like, man, they look so amazing. I'm like, I kind of want to shave my head. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, do I want to? But then I won't have any hair to play with. But it'd be so cool and it'd be so much easier. And when I started getting these negative thoughts, like, are you going to be feminine enough? Are you going to, mm, are you still going to be attractive? Yeah. And I was like, hold up, first of all, whose idea of femininity am I, am I like chasing? Like these thoughts are not even thoughts that I think are true. These are conditioned thoughts. And once Mm -hmm. I like, they didn't start cropping up until I started really seriously considering it. And once they started cropping up, I was like, I'm going to have to shave my head now because I am going to dismantle this. Like I'm going to dismantle these ideas about my hair and black hair, especially black hair is so, it is so much a part of like our our like look and how we identify ourselves like to be able to be like okay I'm going to decolonize this I'm going to dismantle these ideas that are cropping up my head and shave my head like within a couple of days of like starting to really consider it I was like oh yeah I'm going to do it and then I waited a few more days so that I could um have my friend record it for me um and put it on my YouTube video uh, on my YouTube channel so you know that's just one area but like things about like like I uh, um, people will not see me. That's like my big one. Hmm. So that's my big, big underlying story that pops up over and over is that people will not see me. And because they won't see me, they won't see my value. They won't see my worth. And that translates into like an unworthy, not an, I think I'm unworthy, but a people, other people will think I'm unworthy. And that plays out even today. Like it's something that I can recognize and I can dismantle, but it's something that still crops up. And that, a lot of that comes from like the ways that I've been silenced, the way that when I talk about my experiences that people will silence me. Um, It comes from certain past experiences all the way back from when I was a child, from, you know, like the ways I was ignored or um, bullied in like a mean girl kind of way, not physically bullied, but Mm -hmm. psychologically bullied. Um, So these are this is like a story that is cropped up. But when I look at them, like there are so many ways that people of color and women of color in particular are silenced Mm -hmm. the way we're disregarded, the way we are um, dehumanized or minimized to our bodies, to our sexuality um, and also vilified for it and not seen as whole people and 
all of these things played into this conditioning, which led me in different directions, like led me to be a perfectionist. Oh, I have to prove myself. If I'm perfect, nobody can deny how awesome I am. Right. If I'm the best at what yeah. I do, if I'm the best in, in this sport, if I'm, if I get like super good grades, um, you know, if I perform really well, then people won't be able to deny me. They mm-hmm. will have to see how good I am or talented or extraordinary. And that's, that's a bad pattern to be in because now I'm pursuing greatness, not for my own greatness, not because I'm capable of it and because I want it, but I'm pursuing it to prove wrong a story that I'm still living into. Yeah. Which is why I'm no longer a perfectionist. I'm a recovered perfectionist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you know, that's an example of like how these things get really intricate mm-hmm. and, and integrated and internalized um, and need to be dismantled. They need to be cleared so that you can create new patterns in your life. And that's, that's what I do with, with clients. That's what I'm doing in my group program right now with the, um, I happen to be all ladies who are in there, but with the ladies that are in there um, is what are these patterns and now, how do we dismantle that and create new patterns? Like, let's look at where these are showing up everywhere in our lives, not just our creative work, but where are they showing up in our lives so that we can actually start to break those down and find new ways of showing up in the world and showing up authentically as who you are so that you can live fully as who you are and live into your creative work as well. Yes. Yeah. So it was a really long answer. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. I was smiling the whole time. Um, I just, I always find conditioning so fascinating because it's so, it feels subtle, you know, sometimes certain conditionings and stuff that we can come across, it's like, it's subtle, but it's significant. They act like the barriers, you know, like they're literally like these barriers that just keep us in this lane constantly. And naturally, like I think about creative work and I'm thinking, yeah, if I had some of these conditionings that you're speaking to, like I could, I can hear the, the, the barrier that I would be bumping up against, you know? Um, so it's a big freaking deal. And for people who have something in their heart to create or say, or stand for, or sing or whatever, it's like, it's devastating to not do our work in the world. It truly is, you know? So thanks for, yeah, it feels like your soul is like, right. Slowly dying. Yeah. Totally. And I, I speak with women all the time who they've, they've been in the loop of, I really want to create the thing, but I don't know how, or I'm stuck in this kind of repetitive way of not doing it. And it's devastating. It really is. It can be totally like energy sucking, you know, to not be putting our, our authentic and our, our heartfelt work out into the world. So I so appreciate you having this conversation and sharing that with us and and the work that you're doing with the amazing people you're calling into your programs and one-on-one stuff and everything. What can we expect to see more of from you this year? Ooh, more from, well, more, um, YouTube videos. (laughs) I want to do more videos. I've been talking about doing a spoken word piece on my YouTube for like two months and I'm just like, part of it is I haven't written one. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like when I, when I sit down to do something creative, I'm like, Oh, but I want to work on my novels. Like, Oh, I got to find, like, uh, I got to figure out like a, a balance for myself in terms of like where I want to, where I want to put my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so more on my YouTube, more creative pieces on my YouTube as well. 
Um, so like I have different things on my YouTube. I have some stuff that's humorous that talks to like, you know, like what's our, in- like, like the one about like your inner critic. Yeah. I really um, like that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had the one where, you know, of me shaving my head and talking about like why this was such a powerful thing for me and dismantling, um, beauty standards and the old stories about beauty. So I have different things, you know, some things talk to like society, some things talk to like humor and, and being a creative, some things are like a little bit more how to or tips. And then I have creative pieces. So I definitely want to get more creative pieces up there. I am one of these books is getting written. Like I'm, cool. I, I don't know which one, maybe it'll be like <laughs> half of each, but, but like one of these books is getting written. So that's going to be something I probably won't. I highly, highly, highly doubt I will publish it this year. I will probably publish publish next year um so that's gonna be something and then uh you'll see some of my travel adventures that we'll be getting back to traveling and I'm just kind of thinking about um you know like different programs and different offerings but I really want to do more speaking Mm. and like I was just in a in a virtual summit this past weekend on um, sexuality and I was talking about sexuality and creativity and how they are very very intricately linked mm-hmm. so we when we are um, stifled in our sexuality we are also typically stifled in our creativity um, and so but and it was it was a virtual summit so I want to do more live speaking engagements and talks and that's like a really big thing that I want to do and uh podcast there's going to be a podcast coming oh what (laughs) i'm so excited about that one that one is going to be i I was having trouble with it because like i I haven't gotten it going yet because i'm like i'm not sure there's so many different things i want to do with it like oh which direction do i go and so i think i have a sort of i think i have like sort of an outline for it and i think a an idea of what i want to do um and really kind of focus it. It, it it'll be for black and brown creatives I mean, anybody can listen to it, but like, it's going to be really focused on black and brown creative voices, some of our struggles um, and highlighting uh, creatives, you know, who are doing the thing now. (laughs) And um, really, I want to focus, focus it on like, kind of like the question of like, what is possible? Like, what is possible for us? What is possible when we, when we stand in our power and stand in our creative work? Like, what is possible when we as black and brown creatives do the thing, Mm -hmm. like do our thing and let our voices be heard uh so yeah what is <laughs> it's possible? like a lot I guess it's a lot on the horizon more than it's I thought exciting <laughs> it's exciting and I, it is. ladies you heard it here first podcast is dropping so when, <laughs> when when you make it live please keep us posted because uh that's amazing and I I love podcasts I love hearing more like I've actually heard I think in the past couple months I've heard a few few people in my close circle four four or five I think now I think you might be the fifth one that is starting a podcast <laughs> wants to start a podcast so I love hearing that and if there's anything I can ever do to support yeah. you in that you know you know I'm in your corner so oh, thank you yeah, thanks. I'm really excited about that because I love doing podcast interviews I right? I listen to oh my god I listen to so many podcasts all the time like <laughs> and I have so many podcasts on my phone that I like that I'm like, oh yeah, I want to listen to that. Um, and I'll like binge listen to listen to podcasts because all I do is run my business. Like I, I make my own schedule. It's not like I have to go to a job. So I just like listen to podcasts all day long sometimes, like listen in the shower, listen when I'm going to physical therapy. And uh, like thinking about that and like how much I love doing podcast interviews, I was like, this is obviously something I should be doing. Like mm-hmm. this is a thing that needs to happen. So um, yeah, podcasts, speaking engagements and more creative work. 
Amazing. More creative work going out there. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I have my one-on-one programs and I'm thinking of a group program that's going to be different than the one I'm running now. So that, that'll be, that'll be months from now though. It's, I don't think that'll be soon, <laughs> but mm. the podcast will be soon. The podcast will be in the next couple of months. Nice. Well, we will put the link to your website and stuff in the show notes. So ladies go get connected with Kristen. And, uh, I just love what you post and stuff on social media too. So just go follow her, just go be in her world. Um, thanks so yeah, much for I'm on Instagram at Kristen Iris, yeah. Kristen with an I N it's all eyes. All the vowels are eyes. All eyes. There's oh, no yeah. E there's no E N. Everybody spells the name K R I S T E N. I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I personally find people spell my name in like the most strangest ways. I'm like, is it my spelling the like main spelling? I don't know, but it's really strange. It's really strange. Yeah, I've seen yours spelled different ways, like S T A C I E. Yeah, I get some. S T A C Y. I think it's at, at a coffee shop once I got like S T A C. S Y. I'm like, really? Okay. Okay. Like, I don't know. That's different. That's I very, that I have not seen that one. Have they seen that one before? I don't know. Yeah. I'm definitely... waiting for someone to do an S T A Y. Yeah. C Y. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to see that one. Yeah. People, people get my name wrong all the time. They like call me Christine. I'm like, it's not Christine. Oh, it's phonetic. It's Kristen. It's phonetic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people call me and they're like, Christine, is this Christine? I'm like, it's Christine. Yes, this is she. That's amazing. I love it. (laughs) So good. So this combo has been so good. Would you say that this was equal, lesser than, greater than, than our our last conversation? (laughs) It was different. But I feel like this one was, like, I had fun with the last one, but I feel like this one was a little more fun. We had fun. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But it's I, good. And they were really both informative. good. But this one's good. Like, I really, I really feel that this conversation is important. What you're doing in the world is important. How you're showing up for people to, to learn and grow and be more of themselves is super important. So I'm really, really grateful for this convo and just to get to, to know you and uh, watch you create even more out into the world. So thank you. Thank you. This is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, lady. And ladies listening in, um, oh, I almost forgot. Pfft, whoa. I almost <laughs> forgot the final fill-in-the-blank statement of our conversations here, which is, if you truly want to improve your life, fill-in-the-blank. Ooh, I know what I said last time, and I kind of want to see something different just because. Okay, okay. <laughs> Rebel. Um, yeah, but well, what I said last time was, um, honor your many deaths. Mm, and so I believe that I still believe that but if you really want to improve your life um get daring get daring Mm. get bold um break through break out of the boxes that you have put yourself in and and actually get to know that box get to know the box like sometimes we're wandering around the box and and like we're bumping up against the walls and not even like realizing that it's a wall. So like get to know like what your limitations are and expand into the many depths that you have. That's how you get to improve your life. Be oh, daring, be bold. So good. That was like 17 things. I it's love like it. Things, <laughs> get to know the box. So good. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're often just bumping get blindly. To know the box and break it. Yeah. 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 Totally. So good. They're like, so huh, this is a wall. It. Let me punch through, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I can see what this is made of now. Yeah, totally. 
So, so good. Thank you so much for this. And ladies, thanks for tuning in. Of course, if you have any questions, insights, ideas, anything you want to share, you're more than welcome to reach out to either of us and do so. And we will talk to you all in the next episode. Oh, wait. What? Whoa. What, did we miss Sorry. something? No. I totally just remembered. I have a gift for you guys. <gasps> we love gifts I totally here. forgot. <laughs> I have a special gift for you guys. Yes. Um, so I have um, a training for you guys. And, and so like in, in terms of what I just said, exploring like the box, what are your limitations? Um, I haven't, uh, I I was just going to say training, but it's really a video and a workbook and it helps you to unblock. It's called unblock your dream life. And it's really about getting clear on what are your limiting beliefs, your oppressive conditionings. What are the ideas that you have in your head that are not actually true? And figuring out where they come from. So doing some of that deeper work. A lot of times we look at like, here's the story that I'm telling myself, like I'm unworthy. And then we're like, oh, but I am worthy. And you tell yourself that, but you haven't really looked at what are all the things that happened to you that taught you that you're unworthy. And so this workbook helps you to dive into some of those layers to see where the old things are coming from. So you know what needs to clear so that you can move your path forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So... For you guys to get this, you can go to kristeniris.com slash ladytalk, (laughs) and that's where you can get it. So it's a special link just for you guys, but um, when you go there, you'll get the video, and the workbook will be sent to your inbox so that you can um, go download that and print that out if you want to and fill it in. And it's one of those things that you can go back to for different things, like if you're coming up with like blocked on something and then later on you're coming up blocked on something else you can go back into the workbook again so you can it can take you back through those same explorations for this new avenue so yeah i wanted to share that with you guys yay well thank you so much that sounds freaking fabulous so we appreciate it thanks lady go take (laughs) her up on it ladies go take her up on it so good yeah thank you thank you now now we're done do you have any more gifts no no that's it okay awesome well thank you so much lady for your generosity and we're so excited to see more of you in the world Woo!